Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 11 and 12 on how Abraham had the call of God in Ur, but he didn't go until the death of his father so that he could follow God the right way at the right time, which always takes more patience. Remember that you can download all of Tom Cantor and Friendship with God messages for free at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's just a small verse from the Bible and a short one or two sentence commentary on that verse from the Bible. It's a great exhortation, a great encouragement. As you start off your morning friendship with God every morning with a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. We also want to ask if there's anybody in the Southern California area, particularly Los Angeles, that would like to partner and work with Israel Restoration Ministries as a volunteer or in our full-time open position that we have in the Los Angeles area. If you're a Christian and you want to witness to God's lost nation of chosen people, the Jewish people who need to know the Lord Jesus Christ is their Savior, we would like to hear from you. You can contact us at 800-247-3051, and join our team of full-time, part-time, and volunteers that take the gospel out with Israel Restoration Ministries to a lost and dying world. And so if you'd like to volunteer or work with us full-time, please call us at 800-247-3051. You can go to our website, israelrestoration.org, for more information about our ministry, israelrestoration.org, or go to friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online, friendshipwithgod.org, to support this Bible teaching radio program or support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going out to the Jewish people. Now, here is our saved, born-again Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, Tom Cantor. God's call to man to repent of their sins and believe the Lord Jesus, died for those sins, and be saved by God from those sins. Now, notice how the verse says, "...the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham." When he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. When he was in Mesopotamia. That's the point that's made by uh, Stephen. When in Mesopotamia. That's where Abraham was. And it's emphasizing that Abraham found God in the middle of this idolatrous city. And he found God as a sinner. Abraham was a sinner. And so that's like Romans 5.8. But God commanded his love toward Abraham, toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Abraham found God before he received the sacrament of circumcision. I wonder if the Catholic Church would ever call the sacrament of circumcision. It doesn't matter. I call it the sacrament of circumcision. It's not a popular sacrament. It's a painful one. Take it from me. I remember when I was eight days old. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But it was before he received this sacrament of circumcision and speaking of abraham's justifying faith which he had before his circumcision as it says in romans 4 12 the faith of our father abraham which he had being yet uncircumcised and notice in the verse there how god's call to abraham was a call to get thee out leave that was god's command to repent leave sin which in abraham's case was the sin of idolatry and who knows and who cares what else but no one can find god unless they are willing to be done with their sin they have to be willing to be done finished want nothing more to do with it and abraham responded to god's command to leave so that's the way it is with us 
in first in second Corinthians six, fifteen through eighteen, where the question is asked to us, what concord, where's the agreement between Christ and Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, Notice in the verse how God's call to Abraham was not only to get thee out, but to come into the land. God's call is an invitation. God's call to Abraham was an invitation to leave sin and come. Leave sin and come. We want to repent and be finished with our sins because it's our sins that are separating us from God. That's the problem with our sins, among other problems. But one of the problems is that they separate us from God. As it says in Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So God's call to Abraham was to leave and come, leave and come. God is not calling us to come to a church God is not calling us to come to a group of believers. God is not calling us to come to a religion. God is not calling us to come to a denomination. God is not calling us to come and be a Catholic. God is not calling us to come and be a Baptist. God is calling us to himself. And that's what it says in Exodus 19.4 when he was explaining to the people of Israel what happened to them as he took them out of Egypt. It says, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, Exodus 19.4, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. God says, I brought you unto myself. That's exactly the same words that the Lord used in John 14.3 when he said he ought to prepare a place for you. He's going to come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Now, We come now in verse 29, and we read that the two surviving sons of Terah, Abram and Nahor, took wives, evidently in Ur, the Chaldee, and Abram's wife, his name is Sarai. That's what it says. It says they took wives. It never says they took husbands. It always says the husbands took wives. It makes, anyway, so much for courting. Uh, So they took the wives. And so before they left for Ur of the Chaldee, Abraham takes this wife, Sarai, And then we read in verse 30 of a tragedy, as we've mentioned in the family. We haven't mentioned this. This is the second tragedy. Verse 30 now, we come to the tragedy in the family of Abram. Verse 30 is very, very important. It stands alone, and it speaks volumes about the heartache that we can only imagine is between this dear couple Abram and Sarai, with these words, Sarai was barren, and in case we didn't understand, it goes on to say, she had no child. It's like the Lord when he said, you know, he sleepeth, and finally he had to say, he's dead. But anyway, it says Sarai was barren, and she had no child. That was a terrible, terrible problem. It was a terrible stigma for Abram and Sarai. It's a terrible problem today. You know, scan bodies, we make one of the top fertility tests on the market called first response ovulation, or first response OV. So, you know, you get these focus groups of infertile couples, and you get them together, and they're interviewed, and to, so you can find out how you position this product on the market. And you think that with all the emphasis on contraception, that the real problem is couples trying not to get pregnant? I was surprised to learn how deep a problem this is. It affects, it looks like it affects one in four couples. 
in the U.S. of infertility. It's very hard on couples with the thoughts of why can't we have children? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? Were we really meant for each other? Now, notice how this verse identifies God as the God of glory. He's not just God. He's the God of glory. That title is in stark contrast to the false gods that they had in that place of Ur of the Chaldees, the gods of fire and light and stars, because there's only one true God. We come now in verse 29, and we read that the two surviving sons of Terah, Abram and Nahor, took wives, evidently in Ur the Chaldees, and Abram's wife, his name is Sarai. That's what it says. It says they took wives. It never says they took husbands. It always says the husbands took wives. It makes, anyway... So much for courting. It's a real, real problem. This is a no small burden for the young family of Abram and Sarai, which they carried until Abram was a hundred years old. That's a long time. So verse 30 is really telling us of this deep tragedy in the home of Abram and Sarai. Now in verse 31, it says that Sarah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his son's son and Sarai his daughter-in-law's son Abram's wife and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan and they came into Haran and they dwelt there. So now verse 31 tells us that it was Terah. It was Abram's father who left Ur and took Abram and Sarai and Lot the son of his deceased son with them. Now we tend to think that God called Abraham and Ur of the Chaldees and Abraham to leave his place and leave his family. And then Abraham says, God's called me, I'm leaving, nothing's stopping me. You know, he's off and I'm off in obedience to God. But verse 31 tells it a little bit differently. Verse 31 tells us that Abram's father, Terah, left and took Abram with him. So what happened is that we know from what we've read Joshua and Acts, that God called Abram in Ur to leave Ur and his family, and then God caused Abram's father to want to leave, and Abram went along with his father. So the family, not under the leadership of Abram, but the family under the leadership of Terah left Ur, and that's interesting because it shows to us that God was working through the family. And there is a right way and there is a wrong way to follow God. And to use the call of God to be disrespectful to family, to parents, whether saved or not, is the not right way. It's the wrong way. And I still remember when Adina and Randy got, Wildman got married. It was July of 82. You probably remember, Gene. <laughs> and during their wedding ceremony... They did something I've never seen before. I haven't seen it since. They each addressed their new ma and pa and mom and dad and thanked them for the work that they did in training and instilling the knowledge of God in Adina and Randy. Maybe you remember that. I don't know. I remember it. Anyway, I've never seen that before. Now, God would have children respect their parents. And Abram, or Abraham, he respected his father. There's no indication that Abram conflicted with his father. There's no indication that God called his father. But this little family group 
under the direction and leadership of Terah, moves into the land of Canaan, and it appears that Terah, you know, says, here's where we're going to set up this here homestead here. He's Ben Cartwright. He's going to start the Ponderosa on the land of Canaan. (laughs) And he establishes the little community where they all settled down, and it appears that Terah never got over the death of his son, Haran. So Terah decides to name this new little village that he established after the name of his dead son, Haran. And that homestead of Haran will be a very important place in our history as we go forward because that is, will be the place where Abraham will send his servant Eliezer to go get a wife for his son Isaac, and that'll be Rebekah. She'll come, this will be her hometown, Haran. And that'll also be the place where Isaac's son Jacob goes to get a wife. Only he got more than one wife. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment here on Friendship with God. And if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on Friendship with God, as you're driving, listening at home, downloading these messages on the go, and you're growing in your knowledge of God and in your friendship with God, we'd like to ask you to support this Bible teaching radio program with a donation of $40 or more, and we'll send you some of the Summer Blitz materials that we're handing out to Jewish people as a thank you for supporting Friendship with God. Call us at 800 800- 247-3051 with a donation of $40 or more, and we'll send you some great materials that you can study from Tom Cantor as a thank you for your support of Jewish evangelism and this Bible teaching radio program. 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor. So Haran will be a very important place later on to get wives. If you need a wife, you go to Haran. So in verse 32, it says, And the days of Terah were 205 years. And then it says, Terah died in Haran. Now, chapter 11 closes with Abram and Sarai and Lot and Haran where they've been taken by Abram's father, Terah, and the last words of chapter 11 tells us that Terah dies there. He died in Haran. So, you remember now from Acts 7, 2 through 3, when God appeared to Abram and told him to get out of the country, and from his kindred, where was he? He was in earth. That's what it says. He was in earth. And God called him when he was in earth. Before the family group left, he was called. And before he settled in Haran, he was called. And when Abraham actually leave his family, well, he left his family after his father died. As says, after his father was dead, he removed into this land. So that means that Abraham had the call of God in Ur, but there just wasn't the right way and the right time to follow God's call. And there's no indication, as we said before, that Terah had the call of God And there's no indication that Abram told anyone that the God of glory appeared to him in Ur and told him to leave. And there's no indication that Abram led the group, the family group, out of Ur. So first, God worked in the heart of Terah. And then Terah gets up one morning and says, we're leaving. And so he decides to leave and to take the family group out. So first, there has to be the right way 
for Abram to follow God, which was to wait for God to move in the heart of Terah, which he did. And second, there had to be the right time for Abram to leave his family, which was when Terah died. Abraham followed God, in this case, the right way and at the right time. And in order for Abram to have followed God the right way and the right time, Abram had to exercise patience. He had to wait for God to open the door. He didn't force the door open. He had to wait for God. He had to wait for the right way, and he had to wait for the right time, because that's God's righteous, and he does everything right, so God's the God of the right way. Now, was that a long time that he had to wait for God to open up? Uh, yeah, that was a long time. He had to wait a long time. And the longer you have to wait, the harder it is. Patience is never easy. Was it easy to wait? No. And so when God leads us, there is a right way and there is a right time for us to follow God. And for us to wait for the right way and to wait for the right time requires us to have patience to wait for God to open the door. We see this principle of patiently waiting for God to open the door at the right way, the right time. We see it especially in the life of Joseph. When did God tell Joseph that he'd be a ruler over his family? When? <laughs> when he was a little boy, you know, okay? When he was a little boy in his family. And when did Joseph become the ruler over his family? <laughs> when he was a big man. <laughs> Many years later, after a slavery, after two prison terms, after a prime ministership, and one famine later. So, it was a long time. Was that waiting time easy for Joseph? Well, it says how easy it was for him in Psalm 105, 17, where it says, He sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, that's the one slavery, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron, that's the prison terms, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. That was the hardest time in Joseph's life the time when his feet were put in iron shackles. When they go to put him in iron shackles, they didn't measure his feet and say, now what size shackles should we choose for you? (laughs) They took the smallest one because they don't want the smallest guy to escape. Anyway, so his feet are in these iron shackles. It hurt him. It was painful for him. And the pain in his feet it says in this Psalm 105, was the time of his testing, the testing of his patience. That time in Joseph's life is called when the word of the Lord tried him. So the call that Joseph had from God to become the ruler of his family was for Joseph, the word of the Lord that he got when he was a little boy. He was just a little boy, and God put this call into Joseph's heart like God put an egg in an incubator. And during that incubation time, that waiting for the right way and the right time, it was a trial of faith for Joseph to believe God, even when it did appear like it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to be realized until the time his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. And when Abram was still in Ur, God had put his call into Abram's heart like an egg in an incubator. And during that incubation time, waiting for the right way and the right time, it was the trial of faith for Abraham to believe God when it appeared like it wasn't going to happen. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried Abram. 
So from the time that God's call is given until when God opens the door, that's the trial period. And waiting for God to open the door is very important. And God wanted Abram to learn this principle. When God gives a call, wait for him to open the door because when he opens the door, it'll be the right way and the right time. And we'll see later in the study of the life of Abraham how vitally important it was for him to learn this principle after having the call of God to wait for God to open the door for the right way, the right time. And we'll see how God called Abraham to have a son, referring to Isaac. But after God told Abram that he is going to have a son, it was the waiting period, it was the trial of patience when Abraham, he was there waiting for God to open the door for the right way and the right time. But he didn't wait for God to open the door. And we feel the pain of verse 30 to understand why, where it says Sarah was burdened, she didn't have a child. And that word, but, it starts off in verse 30. It hits us pretty strong as a contrast to everybody else's having babies, but not Sarah. And so that word of promise that God gave to Abram and Sarah was a trial for Abram and for Sarah, because he gave it to both of them. And the question was, would Sarah wait for God to open the right door at the right time for her to have the son? And when Sarai didn't and proposed to Abraham to have a child with their maidservant Hagar, Abram thinks, well, God said we're going to have a son. We haven't had a son, so I guess it's okay. But having a son with their maidservant Hagar was not the right way. And so it was not God's way. It wasn't the right time. So Hagar was not God's opening the door. That was Sarah and Abram's forcing the door open. And what a disaster that turned out to be. But finally, Abraham will successfully graduate from God's school of how to have the promise of God and wait for the right way and the right time. And Abraham's going to graduate from that school on Mount Moriah, where obeying God, Abraham raises his knife to sacrifice his only son Isaac, whom he loves, knowing that God will open the door for the right way and the right time for Isaac to live and to have children. And that right way and right time happened to be the hand of a restraining angel, and it happened to be the horns of a ram that was caught there and was offered a nice place. So what we'll see in the upcoming history of Abraham is a great man of faith and a friend of God But what we've seen today in Genesis 11 and Joshua 24 and Acts 7 is a hidden history of Abram, a history of trials of faith. And when you study the history of great men of God, great men of faith, you find histories of the trial of faith, the trials of patience, like Hudson Taylor, who went to China and was promised by his missionary society that he would receive $33 a month. $400 a year, as salary, and the society failed to send him the money. And that was a trial of faith. He had a call to reach China, but how could he reach China if he couldn't even receive the $400 per year that was promised to him by the society? But he persevered, and in his 51 years of service there in China, he established 20 mission stations. He brought 849 missionaries over to work in China. He trained 700 Chinese workers, and he raised over $4 million dollars. Not bad. Now, the Christian life of faith, it can be exciting, it can be vibrant, or it can be dead in orthodoxy. 
It can be dead in traditionalism. It just all depends on how much we are willing to take God at his word and to patiently wait on God to open the door, open his door for the right way and the right time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God of Abraham. And we want, Lord, this morning with all of our heart for you to be our God and us to be known as those who wait for you to open the door for the right way, the right time, and for that your call to us in our lives can be fulfilled to the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He's a scientist, CEO, 2009 Whistleblower of the Year. He's also a pastor and an author, as well as a patent holder, and he's an incredible Bible teacher. If you'd like some of his resources, you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org. We have some free resources online at friendshipwithgod.org, or click on resources and Tom Cantor's materials. Tom Cantor has a lot of videos, as well as written materials that you can choose from and purchase, and also has an entire bookstore, a creation bookstore, that has everything you can imagine online, from Bibles to devotionals to scientific studies on creation to books about dinosaurs, the flood, children's books, and many other Bible-based Christian books that you can purchase and help grow your friendship with God, all available online at friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on Resources and Tom Cantor's Materials. It'll take you right to our online bookstore with everything that you need to grow your friendship with God. You can also donate at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program continuing on your station in your city and supporting Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to the Jewish people. Or call us 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.